And by the way, Mr. Prank, I know you had to get up early for this. No worries. Time to start recording. Oh, look at that. Ben even said he was going to start recording. I love it. Forgot about how this works. Dude, we're email, back. Right? We're back. It's been, what has it been, a month? Maybe. Joel, how long Longer did you make me go on hiatus for? Was it, was it, maybe it was five weeks. It's like a month. Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting. I love the energy, Ben. We're, <laughs> dude, it's going to be a bang-up podcast. I can <laughs> Aren't they all that on deck tonight to talk about shooting? Mr. Joel Park. Hello. Mr. Matt Hopkins. Hi. Mr. Matt Pranka. Hello. All right. Um, before we get, you know, we get back on track. We I haven't put the show on hiatus before. I was I don't know how I feel about it, but I feel re-energized now. But anyway. Oh, you seem energized. The first thing that we have to talk about is there's no fucking ammo. And this apparently is becoming more and more of a problem. Mm-hmm. So, as a result of there being no fucking ammo, um, Joel, we had to adjust the classes. Well, we did. And uh, okay, so I've been like trying to shove dry fire on the range down people's throat for a while, and people are like, "Yeah, I'm on the shooting range, and I've got ammo. I want to shoot." And I'm like, "No, no, no, you don't understand. Like, you could learn stuff without the ammo." And not that many people have wanted to hear it, I guess talking a little bit crazy. So this is a good opportunity to be smart about the ammo you're shooting and, yes. uh, you know, pay it, learn in other ways other than just going to the range of the bucket of ammo. Is that fair? Yeah. And the, the main adjustment for the classes is uh, normally it's you'll shoot Matt, you've done a class with, or well, Matt Hopkins has done like a proper class with me. Uh, what'd you shoot up like 1500 rounds or something? Uh, I kind of stayed back on some of it, so I didn't get in every drill like the students can. I was kind of like observing it, so I don't think I shot quite that many. But you can shoot, you can shoot like as much as you want to shoot in that class. Right. Yeah. So before it's been bring twelve hundred. You know, you shoot as much as you want. People shoot like fifteen hundred if they want. Now it'll be hey, bring as much as you want, and you'll shoot as much as you want. But if you follow along with what I'm doing, because I'll change up what I'm, I'll demonstrate more dry fire and we'll do more dry fire. So if you follow along with what I'm doing, you'll only use like 600. So I think maybe that'll be more palatable for people. Have you seen a attendance drop in the classes or just people concerned they're still signing up though? There, there have been some classes just outright canceled. Just like, hey, the people in that area don't have ammo. Other, other classes full, no problem. So, you know. What are you going to do? I think uh, we get later in the year and things will stabilize a little bit. I have a theory on this. Uh, So no one expected the rush as early as it happened, like April or May last year, right? So the people that were stocking up or preparing basically sold out of everything they have. I expect this spring you'll see an influx like that will totally like squash the demand for primers at least from imported primers and just be wary of what you guys are buying there's going to be some stuff from the deepest darkest like lord of war shelter bunker stuff like that (laughs) people are buying for probably not next to nothing right now but there's going to be some stuff imported this spring and it's going to be imported in the millions not like a couple cases or whatever they're they're shipping shipping containers full of primers from every corner of the world right now and i guarantee you they're not going to be as high quality as people used to have but there are a ton of importers that basically started the process 
It takes a while to get export permits in the home country, imports permits in the U.S. This spring, there's going to be an influx of primers from unknown countries, well Bro. beyond what we've seen in the past. Uh, kind of funny timing. I watched a movie called War Dogs last night. I'm not sure if you guys have <laughs> so seen it or not. And yeah. <laughs> got all this, all this ammo that they thought was like, what, Romanian? Uh, 760 by 39, and it turns out it was Chinese. They're trying to like repackage it. Yeah, I could see that. That's an actual like that. real story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, not just like based on a true story. Like, it's almost like to a T what happened. That's crazy. Well, all right. There's only, there's one other self serving business thing we have to talk about. Uh, fall classes are booking them now. So if you want to, if you want me to come to your ranch in the fall, now's a good time to go email me because, uh, you know, that's uh, my, the calendar tends to fill up fast. Uh, so, you know, get with me now, get with me early and we'll, we'll sort it out. All right. That's all. Uh, Joel, you, you should talk about your new podcast. I should. Yeah. Speaking of self-serving stuff, self-serving <laughs> stuff that's led as for me now, Joel can go serve him himself. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I'm really excited. So we have a new podcast. Uh, it's called Training Group Live. And uh, is everyone here? Everyone here's been on it. Hopkins is not yet. He I have not in been. The future. I haven't even uh, listened to one. Well, then listen up. His Joel's going to run it down for you. Dude, How dare you, d- d- Joel? This is your chance to sell me on this. <laughs> this is your chance to take my valuable time and make me listen to this. All right, one question, Matt. Do you want to get better at shooting? That's a hard question. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, well, then you should listen. Sold. Is that selling me or telling me? Well, yes. Uh, so anyway, the podcast is, <laughs> I suppose, designed for training group members. But if you're not a training group member you know, yet, that's cool. You can still listen to it. The first half is free for anyone to listen to. The back half is paywalled. Um, we talk about, I mean... A wide variety, obviously, of subjects, you know, training. Uh, Matt was talking about how the internet has ruined shooting, or Instagram specifically has ruined shooting, which got a lot of uh, good reviews. So, and then topics like Steger was on talking about how to fit your gun to your hand. So actionable items like, hey, maybe you should think about, you know, grips that are sized appropriately for your hand or, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, we have, when, as, when you guys are listening to this, there'll be six episodes um, already available uh, for your consumption, I'm on, we've got on most podcast apps now. It's so like the Apple podcast app, uh, submitted to the Google app. I think it's been approved, but Podbean, Stitcher, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to find it. So it's audio only. Um, what else should I talk about, Ben? The end? I mean, it's, it's, it is uh, a structured, it wouldn't say it's not an interview format, but you have a, you have a well laid out structure for every show. It's not a shit show like this is. That's uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a detailed a detailed uh, discussion on a specific topic, and not as much just like roundtable, everybody throwing in their two cents, but as uh, a specific topic we want to talk about, and then everyone really focusing and deep diving on that to hopefully give you you know actionable items that you can take to your training, dry fire, the range matches whatever so good all right yeah. let's talk about serious shooting stuff mr pranka you yes. always want to talk serious shooting stuff so you take this conversation in the direction you want to take it all right we have a, a topic and more of a a question something i'm kind of figuring out and working through so i've been shooting a bunch of 15 to 20 yard predictive uh shooting 
doubles, yeah. Lately, doubles, but I've been shooting it actually in like four to eight round strings at that pace, focusing on grip. And the thing I'm, I wanted to kind of throw out to everyone is to see, so I'm noticing and wondering if you guys do too at the same time, that there's a certain, where's that transition between reactive shooting where you're reacting to every sight picture or predictive shooting where you're really crushing the gun and paying more attention to how the gun's behaving. Cause what I'm finding is that for me at 15 yards, it's hard. I'm still feel like I'm getting the right level of confirmation at 15 yards shooting relatively fast, you know, two, two, two Oh splits and don't feel like I'm shooting in a predictive way, even at that pace. And kind of the groups that I'm getting, the training that I'm doing with that, that's making me really focus on grip, you know, primarily. And the the consistency and success I'm getting with having that gun return is outside of kind of that 90% alpha range, even at that distance. So my question is, at what point do you you kind of – think that you've transitioned how fast can you shoot in a reactive way and then at what point is it target distance or target difficulty that switches you from predictive shooting back over to reactive shooting i would say the answer to this has definitely changed uh, over the years what mr hopkins what do you think because you're gonna have a good answer for this because you know it changes when you switch to a dot as well yeah, fairly fairly new topic, and I've never actually done any training specifically on predictive shooting. Like, I think I've done it, like, overall just learning in the past, but I've never actually sat on the range and trained it. So this is something I plan on doing this spring or soon when the weather gets, you know, better. What I'm, what I'm kind of finding out is that I think the, the transition from, from, for me, from predictive to reactive shooting is not really based on normal distances like the practical distances you'd see in a match it's more based off target difficulty and what you're willing to risk based off of how difficult or like how partial the target is yeah so what you're seeing is especially shooting minor you can shoot pretty fast pairs even at 25 yards and even if you double charlie it it's not you know, yeah, it's not the end of the world. No, from a hip factor standpoint, that math is usually going to work out in your favor. Yeah, uh, I agree. Definitely target difficulty affects my decision a lot. So if it's like a partial off target, even if it's something, maybe it will, I'll call close range for me, which close range maybe means a lot of different, you know, different things to different people. But where I probably could fire a predictive pair I might be more likely to shoot a reactive pair just due to the you know disaster factor, the chance that something could possibly go wrong, um, you know, just because it may not may not be a huge benefit. But then an open target, yeah, I don't know. I suppose maybe a gut feeling uh, or prior training experience, but I would say as I've got better at grip and gripping the gun properly, um, that distance is definitely. I mean, every year, the distance I would shoot predictively definitely increases. So would you? So it, it almost doesn't matter. Like so, what you're saying, Matt, is it pretty much doesn't matter uh, the distance. It's just if it's partialed. 
That's that's what I I think. And the way that I'm have been doing my training blocks lately is that it's also turns into like a visual accountability thing. If you're because I feel like I'm shooting when I'm splits are getting down, you know, two, five, two, two, not under two oh splits, even at 15 or 20 yards. I still feel like on an open target that the gun's not in constant motion. I'm get I'm seeing the appropriate amount of confirmation that I need to see. And what I'm finding is I'm I'm shooting, you know, I'm shooting this in, in four to eight round strings, almost like a Bill's drill. Yeah. And, st- and still holding pretty good groups. And then when I'm partialing the target, it's it's drive it's it's making me focus more on, you know, the level or the size of the that open available target that I'm aiming at. And that's what's really driving how yeah, I think what I, I think what that. slows your shooting down a lot is that you have to look to a specific spot and not over return the gun, you know, so you yeah. have to back off the tension a little bit and you have to make sure the gun's coming back just to one spot. And I think you slow down just that much, which isn't that much. Right. Yeah. And I think it's 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 kind of like the feedback loop on what you're seeing through the sights and then the stuff that I've shot with with a red dot pistol. It's becoming that much easier because like we've talked about before, you're just more of kind of like painting the available part of the target and you're getting the confirmation from the dot much faster than you do from irons. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I would say the exact so, same findings. I agree. So Matt, is your struggle like how to apply this in a match or what do you think? Uh, yeah, I could see it. Like for me, it's going to be, it's going to be hard applying it in a match from a confidence standpoint, willing to just, like it's definitely redefining what over aiming is for me. Yeah, I, one thing to consider, I think, is shooting while moving, because so in a match, pretty much you're always either getting going or just stopping. As you start shooting, you're not, you know, it's a dynamic shooting sport, right? Yeah. So a lot of times the training isn't that way, and it, it changes your confidence levels a lot when you have to move around and do it. Oh yeah, that's what it's so, going to be. My question is, how do you apply this during like a stage or something? Like in the walkthrough, you're saying, okay, that's a predictive target. That's not like, and if you're just doing one array or something. So in the past, I've never, um, I've never walked through and been like that. Oh, I'm going to shoot this in a predictive way or whatever. I've, I've always tried to have, you know, that kind of just running in the background and focus, spent more of the mental part of it on focusing stage on the stage plan and getting to the right spot but what i'm finding is it's i think to get a little bit better at it's going to be more i'll be more apt to shoot farther targets way more aggressive with a higher rate of success you know even just success from a confidence standpoint than the actual scoring standpoint which i think you'll you'll see with shooting this way yeah what do you think, Joel? I like it. Uh, has shooting with a uh, messing with a dot a bit made you reevaluate that, Matt? Is that where part of this is coming from? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know you've been shooting a carry optics gun some. Yeah, not. I don't think that's where it's coming from. I think it 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 came from like focusing on. Yeah, you know, I started talking to, to other people about you know pulling the trigger and heard all of this just garbage about. <laughs> 
trigger <laughs> control. And, <laughs> yes. And I, and I started think like there's not really that many ways when you're shooting. You know, if you're trying to shoot real aggressively or shoot at a practical pace, there's not very many different ways to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're pretty much just slapping the shit out of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's mad. It's frustrating to have a, a talk with people who want to prep and press, and but then you you trying to like apply that at a practical price. That's pretty hard. Yeah, and I think people that really equate what you know accuracy and marksmanship to having different ways of pulling the trigger, rather than in, in, in trying to get them to understand that that's not really doesn't have anything to do with where that bullet goes. Is how you pull the trigger. It's it's what kind of input you're putting into the gun while you're pulling the trigger. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, and the prep and press people, I mean, a lot of their shooting, and not all, and I know there's some, there are some very good instructors that kind of teach, I think, a, a version of prep and press. But a lot of what I've seen on the internet of the prep and press people are shooting reactively almost with every shot. And it doesn't matter what the target difficulty is from kind of what I've seen. And so yeah. with that, you know, like you can do the prep and press, even if you have a bad grip. And the gun kind of bounces around at some point, like it stabilizes, and then you could do your prep and press again. But shooting, you know, predictively is where it really tests your grip. Because if you don't have a proper grip, who knows where that second shot's going to go? You know, high over the shoulder. Maybe you're pushing into the gun or using too much firing hand. And you're pushing them low left, whatever. Yeah, and I think the prep and press guys just set up drills that with time standards that allow you to prep and press every shot and you know, spend the day shooting six rounds at a, you know, and they like to shoot much smaller targets at much closer distances too. Man, you guys making trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sure do. All right, guys, shall we go to a question? Yes. Uh, ben, did you have a topic? I already kind of talked about it. Oh, all right. Never mind. <laughs> <Okay>, proceed. <laughs> I'm rel- this is a good question, though. We can get some mileage out of this. I'm relatively new to pistol shooting, and I've just started shooting production optics. My points for each stage are up there uh, with the leaderboard, but my time sucks big time, and consequently, so does my hit factor and stage points. I know it's partly a confidence thing, and I'm waiting, relying on the dot way too often. What do you suggest I do to speed up? H- Hopkins, you got to go, go first. Go faster. Shoot. <laughs> that's it. Sounds well, on a crash, doesn't it? I mean, that's literally the answer, though. Like, if you think about it, like, there, there's points divided by time. So there's two factors, right? Points and time. And most of the time, time matters more than the points, right? To get a higher hit factor. Yeah. Well, how how about this? If if you're one of the people that shoots like seventy percent in a match. But shoot, it slays out points, but you're just too slow. Yeah, there, there's obviously outliers on both sides. Well, that's not an outlier. I mean, there's a lot of people like that, right? That shoot in that 60 to 70% range with good yeah. points. Yeah, it's like what I mean, and I I I'm guessing the guy that's sending in his questions in that in that range. When you're that far behind on speed, it's not a, it's not a complicated thing, like you're saying. You have to speed up and you have to accept that you're gonna make fucking mistakes. Like, yeah, as 100%. you're learning to go faster. Well, like, think, maybe this guy should just turn his dot off and, like, just see how fast he can go. Or take his dot yeah. off the gun. Just take I it was, all the way off the gun. 
And I would say this is there's a big difference between taking like a 25 second stage and turn it into a 17. That's easier than turning a 17 into a 15. 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So like at this point, it's, e- it's simple. It's easy. Go faster. Well, more specifically than go faster. Uh, the way it kind of sounded like maybe he's an over aimer. So I would say vision is probably be a big part of shaving time for him very specifically like for better or worse, you're going to hit where you look and don't be watching the dot in your, in your scope, be looking at the target. We're kind of shooting target focus. So my vision is on the target. My dots a little bit blurry or whatever, but I'm not going to see like a crisp clear dot on every single target. So be conscious and, you know, experimenting and training with, if I'm looking at a target and the dot gets there and the dot still, you know, moving around a little bit or it's not perfectly still or whatever, send it and see where those go. But if you're, you know, like you look at the spot, you bring the dot there and you're maybe you're looking at the dot. You look back at the target or that kind of stuff. Like I, I guarantee you there's a lot of time being lost in just vision. So and then when you're done shooting on that target, when you're finished, your eyes go to the next target. The dot should show up there. Once the dot gets there, time to smash. I mean, right away, pull the trigger. Yeah, I would guarantee. Especially, good, sorry. If he feels like he's waiting on the dot, that he's spending a lot of time moving his eyes to the target, then coming back to the living inside the tube where mm-hmm. looking at the dot with focus, then going back to the target, then back to the dot, that's enough confirmation. And then he's shooting. Mm-hmm. You see that all the time with guys that, yeah, they're target focused until that dot comes in the picture. And then their gaze shifts right back to focusing on that dot and not the target. Uh, well, for a lot of targets, you, you don't even need to see a dot. You just react to the color of the site. Like if you're looking at the right spot of the target, you see the color flash across it. It's like, should be shooting so it shouldn't even be shouldn't even yeah. be that complicated so even if the gun's not up on target like when you get there and you you know you run in the position the gun's still down and then you bring it up and shoot um you should still be like that would be a different issue obviously but i mean that's not going to kill your stage time as much as like what you guys are saying looking through the tube looking at the dot every single time over confirming with dot shooters i've seen it seems like they like to admire their work so they shoot two shots at the target they look through the the glass to see all the the bullets are there that was really cool i shot really fast and then their eyes go somewhere else and so uh you know your vision drives where the dot goes and uh you can't be sitting around staring at it all day yeah all right any other tips to speed this guy up like match just just go faster yeah, and yeah. trial and error. You're gonna you're gonna have misses before you get faster, and that's. Well, I mean, like, like accepting okay. accepting that there's gonna be mistakes because you're not gonna get faster by doing the same thing at the same speed repeatedly. You you won't get any better. You'll just like repeat that. So that's unhelpful. It's where, it's where I've had the biggest jumps in my progress as a shooting career, as a competition Three. shooter, and all that. Yeah, it's where you work within like a part time. Like, like I hey, yeah, just, I have to make it happen in this time, or it doesn't matter. Yep, hundred percent. I dude, I used to be so hardwired so hard. I don't want to miss. I never want to miss the target. And then just pushing to have a miss once in a while that like, that teaches you a lot too. You have to push to failure, especially if this guy's never having misses and he has like you know five C's or something for like a five stage match. Man, just keep going. At some point, you're going to have misses. It'll, it might get worse before it gets better, but in the long term, it's a net win. All right. You guys, it, see, it was. It's another bang-up podcast. It's always is. You know, 
All right, listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to bensteiger.com. Send me your question. We'd love to. We'd love to take it from you.